Rants at the Movies, a podcast where we rant about films that may have traumatised you as a child. I'm one of your hosts and jack-of-all-trades mono, and spending all day tangled up in string until I fly into her at top speed is my co-host and master of none, Kira. That sounds about right. Nothing to do with Disney princesses this week, but I made you Dom DeLuise. Yay! And also tied up with string, yeah, very much sounds like my childhood. Well, I mean, the clumsy aspect, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I, I am very much Jeremy. But yes, we are finally talking The Secret of Nim. Yeah, the movie I've been trying to get you to watch for 17 years. Yeah. <laughs> Give or take. Well, whenever you find it in Terror Records for me on DVD and we're like, hey, this is this film you won't shut up about. Yep. Um, hey, here's a DVD all of it. Leave me alone. Yes. And, and <laughs> you successfully left me alone until this month. Yeah. <laughs> when I came. Finally got you to get watch it. And said, hey, let's watch a whole bunch of Don Bluth movies. Yeah. And... We're going to keep this one till last, but couldn't find American Tale anywhere, so... There is a lot of Don Blue stuff is very difficult to find because of various distribution rights. And- the only one so far that we've done that's been available on streaming was Anastasia. Oh, no, sorry. No, All That Would Go to Heaven was on Prime. Yeah, it was. And Anastasia's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And this is nowhere, except for our DVD collection. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Apparently. Quite difficult to find. Well, this was the first... Th- this is the movie they left Disney to do. Yeah, this was Don Bluth and Gary Goldman and I can't remember the other it's guy. It's Ivan Sullivan Bluth Productions. It's a Don Bluth so, production. Yeah, they, this was when they broke out on their own and yeah. there was... They, well, they tried to pitch it and Disney said, no, it's too dark, fuck off. And they were like, well, well we will then. <laughs> <laughs> and off they fucked. <laughs> and made it with the, a bunch of other animators followed suit. It was like... 20 other animators yeah and all they left were, as well but having similar kind of disputes as well but they were dubbed the Disney deserters yes it was a big deal but it produced this which is literally my all time favourite animated kids film it, no lie yeah I adore this film I won't have like I can watch it now mm. and be like oh, okay they could improve on that or this but a couple of years ago you couldn't tell me shit about this <laughs> Like, I love this. I would defend this to the death. And for a while, again, I thought it was a fever dream because I had it on VHS. Yeah. And nobody seemed to know about it. Well, I mean, I had never heard of it until yeah. you showed it to me. Um, well, told me about it. Rather sweetly, my niece is currently reading the book it's based on, which is Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. But they had to change it to Brisbee for obvious copyright issues. A fan at painstaking effort because didn't they have to replace every fr with, with a, a br-, br in audio editing? Yes, uh, they had to cut it out for every single actor. Like, they couldn't afford to get everybody back to re-record their lines. Yeah, I just I just cut out ums and ahs and yeah. shit every week. They and had to, they had the to hand slice it in as well. Yeah. Because like, this was pre-digital this was, editing. This, this was going to say, this is digital and I find it a pain in the ass. That was analogue. Like, yeah. Uh, like yeah fair play to those the audio editors because that is a thankless job yeah but in this case it wasn't a thankless job because he had the first ever um, profit sharing contract for the animators yeah because animators were getting screwed and are still getting screwed to this day yeah yeah support your small creators Um, Uh, uh, definitely animators and voice actors in particular and comic comic book artists and uh, anybody who anybody who's not getting a million bucks just to read some lines in a live action fucking Marvel film basically yeah (laughs) because they get screwed they get screwed Uh, video video game developers exact same yeah but yeah they had profit sharing on this which was even more incentive for for the animators yeah to do things like replace all the first with Bruce and go through oh, and animate all of, the sparks by the hand, the three, three animators. Yeah, who did that? Um, it wasn't just the sparks; it was all the sparks of which there are fucking many. It was also oh, all the fire effects yeah. and all the water effects. They and had that to do. glow as well. Yeah, that comes through because a lot of it was done on translucent backgrounds over softbox, so you get the glow coming through, like particularly with like Nicotine's yeah, eyes and things like that. Tons of the trivia on IMDb <sighs> is to do with the animation process. Like how long it was and the how arduous it was yeah. and the technical side of things. Oh um, my god! I probably won't off. go into loads of it, but yeah, oh no, this of the ones we've watched so far, and probably I, I like an American Tale is just it's more cartoony and bright. No, this, this is, is probably the most visually stunning of the ones that we're going to do. Yeah, of all the Don Bluth ones, it's not that the others are ugly by any means, but there's just this has a real wow like. <gasps> factor uh, when she's going down through the rose bush and she comes yeah. out into the almost like fairy glade yeah as it I, were and it's just and you've got then the the choir singing at the risk of breaking your heart a little bit yeah i didn't get an awful lot out of this film as an adult no but two of the things well sorry one of the two things that got me through it was the visuals 
Yeah. No, uh, in is. particular, the backgrounds there are so stunning. I will get out to do other things. I, I'm not, I, I didn't dislike it. That's I want to yeah. say that. I didn't dislike it. It's just there's not an awful lot to get out of it as an adult if you haven't watched it as a kid. Like So you got you get nostalgia after watching oh, from this one. Oh, the second I hear the opening music, I was like, oh, I'm home. Um, and that song has now been playing in my head. The, lo- the song at the end has been playing in my head for like the last week. Yeah. Watching it as a fat, balding, middle-aged dude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I didn't just I didn't not enjoy it though. No, it is it's a very perilous story. Yes, that's one of the other things that I really really enjoyed about it. But Without shall... leaning into like shock horror, it's just it's just the dangers of being a tiny mouse in this environment. Yeah, <laughs> like everything is trying is bigger than you, and everything could possibly kill you. But we shall we shall get onto all those little specifics that yeah. we did like about it in a bit. Shall we go for a summary first? Yes. Yeah. When widower and field mouse Mrs. Brisby's son Timmy falls ill, she thinks that's the worst of her worries. But when she finds out he has pneumonia and can't be moved until he's better, she realises her troubles are just beginning. With moving day fast approaching, Mrs. Brisby has to find a way to keep her son safe but get him moved. To do this, she enlists the help of a useless crow, a terrifying owl, and some mysterious and highly intelligent rats who seem to share a past with her deceased husband. But with a farmer's tractor and a vicious house cat in their way, will little Timmy be saved by Mrs. Brisby and the rats of Nim? Um, yeah, that's the, the story. Don Bluth animated films are hard to summarise short, apparently. No, it is like they're they they do tend to pack a lot into them. They really fucking do. There I is a lot of no, for this. there is like no dead space at all. The story just goes boom, 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 boom. There's no hanging about. Because this is what like an hour and twenty, including credits or something. Yeah, like that? and it bangs it out as well. Like I hadn't realised just how quickly it moves. Like yeah, like on the first watch. I don't think I realised... Well, I saw how short it was, but I kind of then forgot and was like, oh yeah, this is all set up, this is all set up. And then we paused it and I was like, there's only a half an hour left in the film. Oh, this film, the, the, not that it's all set up, but like one thing just keeps moving into the next. Yeah, it just smoothly. all leads into each other. Yeah, no, it's really, it, it's very well paced. There's no dead space at all. Yeah, from the very start of it, you're introduced to this like idyllic little farm setting you've got your house and the washing line and mm. it's all very white picket fence and it focuses in then on a field with a big stone in it yeah yeah you get introduced to mrs brisby straight away well no actually that Pretty field much. the field that she lives in is on the other side of the house to the field with the old combine harvester in it that mr aegis is in yeah so it, she zooms, actually, it zooms in on the treasure yeah first rather than her house because that's yeah it's it's we we see her pretty much straight away yeah and and the very first thing she's doing is going into a big spooky dark place and then there's a big explosion yeah <laughs> and, and an angry sounding dude inside yeah i love mr age's why does he but so it, unbelievably fluffy it's nice because it kind of you nearly get immediate categorization and characterization for everybody in this film yeah so straight away we don't know why she's going in but she's afraid to go in clearly but she's going in yeah, and then she, you find out it's because to. her son is sick yeah he's grumpy and cranky and that's pretty much how he is the whole way through the film but willing to help once he finds out that it's the kid who had the spider bite yeah and he's like oh okay and then what we don't know as an audience yet is that there is a connection to, there is a connection there is a, there, there is yeah. a connection there as well between mm. Mr. Aegis and the Brisby family mm. but she's willing to put all her fears and everything aside to do what she needs to do for her son. And Mr. Aegis is the best person to go to. He's kind of like the local apothecary. Yeah. Seems to have a weird grasp on technology. I love his laboratory. <laughs> I I love the, the giant ladybug that he has to like shoo well, off his... Well, it's not giant. It's proportional Well, no, I know. But, it... but he's like, shoo, shoo. And then shoo. he just picks it up and throws it. <laughs> yeah. And there's like the, yeah, there's like a dragonfly there as well. And there's something weird climbing up behind her that she sees and goes, ah. Yeah. It looks like a hairy molly. They they took an awful lot of care to keep scale. Yeah. In this, with with the exception of, say, the rats themselves. The rats um, kind of vary in size. But then again, rats do vary in but size. But the, the mice in the shoe are about the same size. And compared to the crow, compared to the cat, compared to the rabbits, compared to like everything the people, else. Um, the bird cage, everything that, yeah. yeah, yeah, they actually kept it all to scale. And it, it just, it helps with making it a bit more of a realistic world. Like, hey, I know where it's talking animals and stuff. Mm. But even everything say, that they've repurposed to use, like they're using a thimble as a bathtub because remember, to a mouse, that's a bathtub. Yeah, no, but you remember when we were watching, um, is it Zootopia? Oh, you had And I was giving out about that because <laughs> I was like, don't, 
don't have giraffe-sized cars and be like, oh yeah, look at this world where we need to have different. Or sized the cars rabbit and is so much smaller than everybody else, and so is the fox. Like it's not. It's yeah. Weirdly, it's not. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, they've been like, oh yeah, this is. Re- we've tried to make it not realistic, but it's like, yeah, look, giraffes have giant cars. And needs different things because they're much but bigger. But the than elephant other isn't much bigger than than everybody else's. Yeah, and then the but fox then the, the is shrews like shrews and the lemmings in their little world because yeah, I love it, their little mini city. Is the cutest thing um, ever. They're just, super super tiny that, compared to the rabbit. I don't understand. Yeah, the, the, that was weird and yeah. stupid and annoying. And in this, I was like, yeah, okay, like especially because they're trying to, as I said, that's why I'm saying they're trying to make it a realistic world. This is animals as they are interacting well not interacting but there are humans there and yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of how things would go and it's just some of them they're kind top. of like the borrowers as well like they're using things that are recognisable mm. household items but they're repurposed for their use so like when they're going down to the rats and it's the old lantern, the old lantern yeah. that they, they use and even just things that they have in their day to day lives are, are just like modified versions and you can see that mm. Oh, how did we get onto that? We're supposed to be doing characters. Oh, well, Mrs. Brisby, like, um, oh, Mr. Ages' lab. Yes, sorry, it's Mr. Ages' so lab. It's so fun. But yeah, it's he is. so mad. He's like this weird wackadoodle. Because it's like, oh, okay, cute country mouse. Crackpot with, like, electricity and Bunsen burners and is things he, blowing he, up. And From now on, we'll just, he's the mouse Professor Farnsworth. Yes, I love that's, him. I he's, do that's what he is. Very, I, I, Mr. A just, just makes me happy because he's so grouchy, but he also looks so unbelievably fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Mrs. Brisby then, like you were saying about, you get that kind of thing straight away that she's dedicated. As the film goes on, she almost seems to be don't know if blinded by her dedication is the right way to phrase it, but like she certainly fires headlong into things yeah. without thinking about it. Like when she tries to attack the tractor. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then just... Auntie Shrew saves the day because Auntie yes. Shrew's the boss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she like at the same time, she's just lost her husband and her kids are all she has. Oh, no, I know. I and don't, she, does, she does have a sense of like kind of naivety I and mean, she's very sheltered from the world. Yeah, no, I'm not necessarily blaming her for trying yeah. to save her kids. She could just benefit from maybe stopping and considering for a couple of seconds yeah. beforehand. And then, of course, we have Jeremy. Jeremy the Crow. Dom DeLuise is yes. back again. This well, is his first Dom Booth role, but he's back again because it's the second time we've seen him this month. And it's Dom. It's always a pleasure to see him. Yeah, it's it's another, like I kind of said about Itchy, it's another kind of atypical Dom DeLuise animated character. Just heavy on the stupid slash clumsy this yeah. time around. Sorry, excuse me. Pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that you get this whole scene of her and Mr. Ages and basically how sick her son is. Yeah. And he, just her journey home. She's like just trying to get home and she goes through the tunnel and she sees this, something is at the end of this hollow log having a like shit fit. Yeah. And she climbs up through. That's the other thing I really like about this is the way that they move. Even though they do walk around on two legs and hold things in their little hands and stuff, mm. when they're running, they still move like rodents. Like she climbs up, she scurries around things. The way she slides down stuff is still very much like a mouse would do it. Mm. As opposed to just being like fully anthropomorphic, like upright, yeah, no, they're, movement. They're semi-anthropomorphized, mm. nearly. And then anything that, any animal that doesn't have... Clothes on. Clothes or a speaking line. <laughs> It's just an animal. The cat's yeah, they just, just a cat. The rabbits are just rabbits. Now they do. They certainly seem to understand because when oh moving day on moving day, Auntie Shrew is screaming. The play was moving coming. day, and everybody seems to be like, no. Maybe it's just the fact there's a big old tractor coming. They yeah. don't give a shit when Auntie Shrew is screaming, <laughs> but they seem to understand. Yeah, well, they. In fairness, the rabbits are painting the shit out of that, so the poor voles. But yeah, but even even Jeremy, you get your characterization for him super quick as well because it's. Clumsy because he's tied up in string and and wants he's, a girl because he's that's lovelorn. Yeah, he's trying to build a nest out to of string an, to, to attract woo a lady. Yeah, and, and not having much luck. No, and he enlists her Mrs. Brisby's help to help him woo a lady. Oh, and where where itchy was itchy, um, Jeremy is sneezy. Yeah, because he's, he's allergic, allergic to cats. Because he's making a whole host of racket, and because you get to see from the opening shot this kind of setup of the area where you've the house. Her field, the river around the back with a bit of forest. Yeah. The field where Mr. A just lives. You have a sense of like, this is the environment that they're in. Yeah. And she's like, oh, be quiet because Dragon, the cat will hear you. Great mm. name for a cat. Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. And Jeremy goes off and has a look and you can see Dragon chasing a rabbit and he's doing that that really fun cat thing where you just see them going, woo 
into the air. Do you see him in the background there? You do, yeah. You see him chasing a rabbit. Right, that's just the. That's where the. That's why the rabbit, the rabbit. Yeah. Comes booting it through the log, and they're like, "Oh, it's just a rabbit. It's fine." The, yeah, the, the the cat fake out. That's immediately followed by a cat attack. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, "It's not a cat because I'm allergic to cat. I'm allergic to cat." It takes a while to figure that one out as well. Yeah. But then it's Jeremy. It takes a while to figure yeah. everything out. That cat is frantic. That cat is... I've never seen a cat that determined. Like, I think Mrs. Brisby, like, did something to him in a, in a previous life. Because my our cats are fucking lazy. Our cats will go, oh, you've legs. Certainly won't be done. chasing cats through rivers and waterfalls. No, anyway, well, the first time they get wet, they'd be done. Because yeah. he falls into the stream. Yeah. yeah. He he goes over a waterfall. And he's fine. He's well, just a bit soggy. Yeah, he's not happy about it. But. No. <laughs> But yeah, Brisby, Aegis, and Jeremy then are kind of our three, well, three main characters apart from Auntie Shrew. I love Auntie Shrew and the children. And and yes, the the children. The ch- the children who are lovingly voiced by well, the two main ones are voiced by Will Wheaton and Shannon Doherty. Yeah, Teresa and Martin are yeah. Will Wheaton and Shannon Doherty, and then there's Cynthia who has like one or two lines. I like her. She just wears a bow. <laughs> yes, and she thinks that Jeremy is a turkey. <laughs> And then sick Timothy. Yeah. And then you've got a couple of other characters like Justin and Jenner in the Rats and Nicodemus, who's kind of your all-knowing he's, sage he's, type. He's the Gandalf of Rats. Kind of, yeah. And then the, the Great, great owl, owl. Who is John Carradine. David. David Carradine. Yes. The dad. Not a strangle wanker, but a strangle wanker's <sighs> dad. an embarrassing death. And it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's the great owl, and at the time I had no clue who who it was. I just who remember, David Carradine was. No, I just remember this really like powerful voice. Yeah, like he's got this immense presence. Like it's not something you ever want to have shouting at you. No, well, he's only in the one scene. No, but the great owl always stuck with me as well because it is kind of the not. It's very spooky, yeah. and she's entirely on her own because Jeremy's like, "Yeah, I'll wait out here." <laughs> Yeah, Jeremy is very much a coward at that point. Yeah, um, it's not quite as fucked up as when they're getting the backstory of the rats. Yeah. But it is quite a high tension well, the, scene, particularly with the spider. I, I would say that... Because elves a couple eat of quite, mice. Yeah, there's a couple of quite perilous scenes. I would say the two scariest scenes are probably the great owl mm. and... The rat's backstory. No, not even the rat's backstory. The When she first gets in to see the rats and she just gets attacked by that. By Brutus. Oh, yeah. For no reason. Yeah, and Brutus is a dick. He just keeps trying to stab her. Yeah, with his electrified spear thing. Thank yeah. you very much. Yep. Yeah, he ain't wasting no time. He's like, she's like, hi, I'm here to have been sent to see this guy. And he's like, nope, mm. fuck you. And it, it probably seems like a lot of characters for a kid's film, but it's really only for most of the film, it's Miss Brisby. Yeah. And then she interacts with, sometimes with Mr. Aegis, sometimes with Jeremy, sometimes with Auntie Shrew, yeah, sometimes it's, with the kids. Yeah, it's following her. But and, we're following her throughout yeah. from start to finish, like. Well, and Nicodemus, because he. He's the narrator the as well, with, all yeah. of it. He's a real old rat. He has a bit of a Fu Manchu mustache going on. Yeah. Um, some glowy eyes. He's got some sort of supernatural abilities. Yeah, that are, that are just and, kind of vaguely glossed over. They uh, apparently they weren't a thing in the book, but they wanted to give it some sort of element without having to go too deep into these rats were experimented on because yeah. NIM is the National Institute of Mental Health, and that's where these rats escaped from. Yeah, and they got some funky shit going yeah, on. Yeah, so it's easier to just kind of go, well, there's some magic involved because yeah, magic. we're just yeah, we're not going to go too because the the scenes in NIM like the dogs crying and the monkey, I just it's hard breaking and, oh yeah yeah no it's part, not a nice massive scene. part of the hippie that i am today <laughs> because it just no and it was like i, I understand in that it has to be done for like mental mm. health testing and things like that a very good friend of ours actually does that um, oh but he loves them rats he loves those rats and he it breaks his heart and if rats. he could take them home he could but yeah. they can't because yeah but yeah that had a huge uh, very profound effect on me as a child <laughs> was uh that them them animals in cages yeah didn't work that combined with gremlins too. Why gremlins too? Because there there's a testing facility in the tower in that that they oh, get right. into, and I always thought the gremlins would eat all the dogs. And it you have sad. you have a laundry list of traumatizing things that you watch as a kid to do animals. Tower of the Otter. Oh God. Animals of Farthingwood. That was a TV show, and that was I'm not the only person um, who thinks that was. Traumatizing. I'm not saying it was. Just it's part of your laundry list. Yeah. Uh, what else is there? The the other one where the rabbits get mixed mitosis. Oh, Watership Down. Watership Down. Um, 
What else am I missing? There's got to be other like you just. Seems... I loved Fantasia though as well because I so I was a really weird kid. I watched Fantasia for you, like you watched Fantasia and cartoons about animals dying. Yeah, apparently, apparently that was my jam. Uh, <laughs> and Care Bears. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to have something light and fluffy in there to balance. No, out have you ever death. seen the Care Bears movie? It's it's um, about like basically depression taking over the world. And the Care Bears losing their power. So, yeah, that's fun. Fucking hell. I know. My parents, I think, hated me. Oh, yeah. I'm beginning to think maybe they did. <laughs> or just sit down and watch that. They weren't monitoring what I was watching at all. They probably should have. Well, no, because this shit wasn't on TV. Because I didn't see any of this stuff. Like, they had to buy you this shit. Which? <laughs> all the traumatizing stuff. Yeah. I didn't no, see like, any. A lot of this was courtesy of my grandfather giving me, like, random videos that he thought were, like, kids' films for Christmas. Um, well, I mean, maybe he should have watched them first. <laughs> no, he did give me this, so I can't be. No, there are definitely, like, good. I'm not saying all that stuff is shite. I'm just saying it's an awful lot of traumatizing animal yeah. death for one child to be watching. I know, but, like, if you look back at Disney as well, like, there was a lot of uh, Bambi. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> as, I, as I said in the. Up until, up until the, the 90s, heaven, it was okay to, like, to traumatize kids a bit. Well, yeah, but as I said in the All Dogs Go to Heaven uh, episode, the, the Disney tends to be one large hit of sadness, and then you move on. Yeah. Even in the older ones. Yeah. Um, These ones keep going at you. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, I, I more power to, uh, to yeah. them for it, because it, it does make for better films. No, it just has a happy ending. It just, there's oh, it times does, yeah. when you really don't think it's going to get there. No, yeah, the peril, <laughs> the peril is strong in this film. Yes. They're and really it's not is. just and there's they're, they're, because there seems to be some whole big like power struggle going on with the rats as well so you've got this equal tension going on among the the group that are supposed to be helping her yeah they've they got their own agenda going on they don't on. delve into it too much but I would say they go into it just enough yeah they basically her husband was in nim with them yeah so he saved their lives I think he was able to squeeze out an open event that allowed them to escape yeah so they were saying like the least they can do to repay him is is move her house yeah Jonathan Brisby because he gets a first name she doesn't get to she's only ever referred to as Mrs. Jonathan Brisby but the fans have named her Mrs. Elizabeth Brisby because she was voiced by um, and it was one of her last roles I'm not sure that it was her last role but certainly after she passed the fans decided once and for all no Mrs. Brisby is Liz Brisby yeah Though, that said, for not having a first name, the second name gets her very far. Oh, Brisby, yeah. Brisby <laughs> opens a lot of doors for her. Because uh, the Great Owl is like, move your kid or die. There is no other choice. No, I'm sorry. The great When they arrive at the Great Owl's tree, also that the way the backgrounds are done for that forest where it's like washes of colour and then very light detail building. There's a couple of bits when... Timmy gets his medicine and you kind of zoom out through the window. Yeah. That's gorgeous. It's such and a beautiful it's like the background map, shot. The map yeah. painting with the sparkles on it. When they get to the Great Owl. Yeah, when they're going through all... the forest and it goes yeah. from the green to the red, but you just get these kind of outlines of trees and nothing's kind of solid. It's all like it's coming out of a mist. That's another really, really beautiful one. And then mostly all the, the kind of background stuff when she's going into Nim. No, that's not. Oh, sorry, into, into the into where the rats that's are. That's our under like, the rose bush. Um, in around the rose bush with all yeah. the sparks, and it's just, it's just such a damn pretty film. But it like is. all the backgrounds, yeah, in, no, they're gorgeous. They're, they're all drawn stunning. with such like attention to detail, mm. and then they just kind of it never draws your attention away from the characters either. No, it's always just enough. Like it'd be very easy to make the forest look very cluttered, but the way they've done it. Jer- her on the ba- Jeremy's back is still kind of centered. There's nothing pulling too much focus. Yeah. But I do love it when they arrive at the Great Owl's Tree and they're debating going in. And he's just like, come in or go away. Oh, and both of us looked at each other and just went, Malcolm Tucker, come the fuck in or <laughs> fuck, fuck the, the fuck, fuck off. off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Jeremy's reassurance, because she's all like, owls eat mice. Yeah. Like yeah, genuine he's like, he's concern. Like, it's like, not at night. They don't eat mice at night. And let me take you there at night time. Yeah, just as it's getting dark. I like the when you're going into his tree, there's like skeleton, there's like bits of animal there's bones. bones and, and then the spider appears and you're uh, like, oh fuck the spider. And then something this, stands on the spider. That spider is so horribly squishy and just with the mandibles and just, oh, and, oh. That, that was When a, he squishes, it's really like, oh. That was a very hyper-realistic squish sound. Well, yes. It's a squish sound. Yeah, that really Prop, was. There props was like, to the Foley artist. Yeah. What I love is if you 
the more you watch that scene, you can actually see the great owl. Yeah. the spider climbs across him. It comes yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I remember the, the second see, time we were watching that. I was like, then, oh, look, there he is. Yeah, and it's really weird because his head's upside down and then the eyes crack open and he has those incredible glowing eyes. Mm. And then his head does a, a 180. I but do like, not like around, like, yeah, it's, it, it's weird and it's crunchy. Spins on the y-axis. Yeah, and, and there's crunchy noises and he too has a bit of a Fu Manchu going on. He does. Yeah, I, I think all wise things. Yeah, but the inclusion of the limp for him was actually, it's a really nice touch. Yes. Because when he came in to record his lines, Don Bluth did, didn't realise and he came in and was this quite frail, old looking well, man with a limp. Well, he was late 80s, I think, at this point when he did it. But then he delivers this really powerful performance uh, and Don Bluth was so impressed. He just, he thought to include the limp as part of it. Yeah, it, it just does. adds the, the yeah this grace and this frailty to this extremely powerful and um, revered character. Well, also given that everybody, all the characters seem to speak of the L with great reverence, mm. and it's in it is proper in the wild as we talked about things are a bit more realistic. A limp L probably wouldn't survive unless all the other animals love him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or fear or respect him. You know what I mean. And I yeah, well, he's like getting that. old and arthritic, and like he's not going to be able to perch properly. And yeah. I like the fact that even as he's making his way out, he has almost he's like a cobwebs. It's almost like a like a little a regal kind of cape mm. of cobwebs that even as he flies away, it doesn't leave him. But when when he flies away, then they've animated that so beautiful and gracefully. It's like, oh yeah, he's still a proper owl. Yeah, but he opens out the wings and kind mm. of shakes, and you're like, yes, and off he goes. And then she, he's like, what are you saying? She's like, oh, I have to move my house. And he's like, great, to where? And then she just mumbles some shit. That's the Lee of the Stone thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like that upon reflection because... The Lee of the Stone. Yeah, he says it in a real, like, prophetic way of, like, remember this. And, you know, yeah. like, you're expecting it to come back in some sort of, like, it'll help solve a riddle way. But it's just like, no, that's just where you're putting your house. Yeah. No, I like the <laughs> fact like, that don't she's forget. like, when he's like, you must go to the rats. And she's like, I don't know any rats. And he just straight away goes, in the rose bush. And she's like, oh, yeah, I suppose. But, oh yeah, we were talking about, <laughs> we're talking about her name her? her name taking her places because he's like, move your child or die. Yeah. And she's like, no, there must be some other way. And he's like, there is not Mrs. What's your name? Brisby. And he's like, oh, you're, you're, you're oh, Mrs. Jonathan Brisby. Brisby. Well, hang on a second. There is absolutely a way. Yeah, to go to you. the rocks. <laughs> Ask for Nicodemus. Tell him the great owl sent you. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> <laughs> but also... Nicodemus with his whole voyeurism thing going on, he's watching. Oh, with his his very early um, Stargate vision ball thing, because that's exactly what I think of. You remember, you know, when they're taking the ship and you get to see the talking balls for the first time that they pop into the gate. Uh, yeah, the, when Apophis is, is doing his whole attack thing, the intergalactic FaceTime thing. Yeah, yeah. that I, the second I saw that on Stargate, I was like, "It's that thing from fucking Secret Name." Oh shit! It went the other way for once. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> once something wasn't like, "Oh, I know that." From it wasn't Stargate. a Stargate reference. No. It was a Secret of Nim reference. Yeah, and nobody Stargate. else knew what Secret of Nim was, so I just never talked about it. I could see it. But but as to my point, he Yeah, because he's had a whole pervy he, moment with the owl when he's all like, Go there with like yeah, the flowing Mrs. cloak and I'm like, You getting your jollies off that ball? Mrs. Brisby is talking to Auntie Shrew and she's saying, Go see the great owl and Nicodemus is watching her and he's like, Yes, Mrs. Brisby, go to the great owl, seek him out. You know, he will help you. And she goes there and he says Go see Nicodemus. Yeah. And I'm like, Nicodemus, why don't you just fucking contact Nicodemus, her at the start? Brutus chases her away. And he watches them come. Like, then later on, he's watching them come back as, as they're talking her, you know, Mr. Her yeah, Mr. Ages Mr. are talking she- about the council and Justin and Jenner and all that stuff. And he's watching again. And I'm like, just fucking go to her. I mean, I know yeah. there'd be no movie, but just like, <laughs> why does she have to come to you? I don't know. But the. I kind of said that they include just enough of like the council rat stuff. Yeah. So you've got, there's a couple of main rats. You've got Nicodemus, who's like Fu Manchu Gandalf. <laughs> yes. Um, Justin, who would in, if this was live action or if this was, you know, whatever, he's, he's pretty handsome army boy who's like saves the day hero. Yeah. Well, he's the, he's the, I, I don't know if he's supposed to be like Nicodemus is second in command or anything, but he's certainly the audience viewpoint for Nicodemus's plans. Like if, if Jenner's yeah. against it, yeah. Justin seems they, to be the, the one rats, who's the all rats behind have, it. Uh, the rats are planning to go to move because they can't stay there because Nim's onto them. They know too much is how they describe it. 
They can't yeah. live as rats anymore because well, no, they, they know too much. They well, also they're stealing electricity, and, and they, they know they're going to get. That. They know they're going to yeah. get found out, so they want to get gone. And Jenner's like, "Nah, let's stay here and continue stealing this." Yeah, shit. Jenner's like, Jenner's a dick. Jenner is a dick, and he's got some of the best eyebrows of any of them. They leave his head on occasion, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't actually have the actor's name. I can't remember who it was, but props to him because after he. He saw like a rough draft of the film or whatever. Mm. He came back and he recorded all his lines because he was so impressed with the animation. He wanted to up his performance. Yeah, no, because Jenner, Jenner is like really sinister and conniving and not above backstabbing. But he is. He's not full-blown dictator. He's still at the sweet talky stage. <laughs> yeah. When he, he's like, oh no, we'll help you, Mrs. Brisby. Yeah, Don't he's worry. doing just enough to kind of keep everybody on board. Oh, but nobody believes him when he's saying no, that to Mrs. Brisby. No. And he, the first thing he does is, is like, oh, we're going to be moving a cement block. Oh, accidents happen. Also, the rats have a really impressive knowledge of block and tackle. Well, I mean, they're supposed to be super smart. Yeah. And when, when we get the, the backstory from Nicodemus. Oh, just one day they can read. Yeah, they they get their injections and he says it makes them super, you know, that's what made them all intelligent. And yeah, one day after the injections, he looks across at one of the other cages and reads the instructions for how to open the cage. And I'm like, so it's not just that you're super intelligent. You don't even need to be taught shit. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just look at words and understand them. The backstory is is really, really sad, but the the sequence after they're injected where the rat's like huddled over and it's flashing black and red and then you start to get the, the fractal spiral and stuff. Oh, the DNA. Yeah, and it's very, very much the, the tunnel scene from um Willy Wonka. Yeah, that <laughs> not, is... Not quite to the full-scale madness of the Willy Wonka tunnel scene, but it does have a lot... I would say less scary, of... more trippy. Yeah, it's very trippy, but no, the music's really fucked up, though. If it didn't have, because the music's very on edge and what I found like panic inducing almost. What I found more upsetting was the the is it nine rats that just get blown away in the ventilation system. Yeah. It's like those poor mice. Or sorry, nine mice because it's, nine, it's yeah. eleven mice and twenty rats get injected. Yeah, and nine mice get blown Mr. away. Mr. Aegis and Mr. Jonathan Brisby are the only two, two mice that, that yeah. survive because the rest get blown away in the ventilation. Well, system. Well, they get sucked away. Yeah, because they were just yes, ordinary. Please. They were just ordinary rats that got um, rounded up. It, it it's one of the only things, and you kind of couldn't have the film without it. But when they're given the explanation as to how it made the rats and the mice so much smarter, I was kind of thinking, so what's the deal with Auntie Shrew and Mrs. Brisby? How come they can talk? But she does say that Jonathan taught her how to read a little bit. Yeah, that I I did like that addition. I just love Auntie Shrew. I just well, but like I said, it, it, there wouldn't be a film if if the yeah. the rats and mice of Nim were the only ones that can talk. <laughs> yeah, Auntie Shrew is like the local busybody. Yeah, she when you first see her, she's all like, "Woe is me that I have to be the one to go around Brisbane! and let every, let everybody know when moving day is." But it's like you pretty much seem self appointed. Yeah. Now, like we said, she is a badass because she single handedly takes down a tractor. Yeah, and she <laughs> she like when Jeremy comes to tell the children, she's I don't. She's, she, yeah, she's hogtied him basically. She's got him hogtied, and then when she's talking, when she's giving it loads about how if the rats show up, she'll give them what for. Well, do you know who she should have given what for to? Who? That little shit, Martin. Oh, he backhand. Mouths, he mouths off to her something fierce in yeah. the first scene that she's in. I do in. love, I, that was one of my favourite lines from her, is that boy is a brat. But the way she <laughs> says brat, because she can roll her R's. Uh, no, see, you might quite like that line. Yeah. I have heard that line said to my mother about uh. me. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that line somewhat instills a little bit of fear in me <laughs> from my childhood. Because, yeah, if you heard that, you were in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you heard it being said about you, you were in trouble. Yeah. No, I just love the way she says that boy is a brat. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, she's she's badass. Good old Auntie Shrew. So what about, like, highlights of the film for you? If you had to narrow it down, because I know you pretty much love everything about this. Um, when she's running, doing the task for the rats to drug dragon yeah i love that bit number one she's naked for mouse because she's got like a little shawl and then she's got the amulet well i said that i said that when we were watching it the first time because there's a scene you were like hee hee it's after well no i was i was offended how yeah, dare she you? had no clothes on it's after i think it's when we first see the rats and they're talking about the farmer 
is the farmer's wife is talking about getting the phone call from the oh neighbor, they're stealing the, the stealing extension it. line and then it cuts to the Brisby home the next day yeah. and Mrs. Brisby is getting out of bed and she's not got any clothes on and I was like you're getting out of bed you had clothes on yesterday put some damn clothes on <laughs> but she's different. Wh- it's different in that scene because yeah. she's caught out and the little boy puts her in the cage. Yeah. And he's like, mice don't wear clothes. But yeah, when she goes to Drug Dragon and she gets captured, but that whole bit in the birdcage afterwards when she's escaping from it, I love that bit. Uh, I think The I sequence prefer... that she works through mm. because she's also, that's when she hears the phone call. Yeah. That they're coming to dig out the rose bush. But you've got that, her on her own struggling versus the kids in the cement block being moved by all the mice being moved by the rats and she's not there because um, they've just had to leave her they're like they're like we'll try and come yeah, back just and get says, you we'll come back and get you after yeah I suppose I hadn't thought about it from that I think I, I quite like the first dragon scene where she's when dragons, chased yeah where dragons just losing his shit because that is for me that's one of the highlights of the film is how well the sense of peril comes across yeah it, it really really is done so well in this from that scene where she's getting chased by dragon at the start to the stuff with the great owl to when she's first going to see the rats and gets attacked by Brutus it's just it's all just so though the peril is played so right that even even as a fucking 37 year old adult watching it knowing that they're not going to kill off the main character of the film I was still like oh no yeah no you do <laughs> get a little bit, you do get a little bit like oh oh no because everything like every, she's so tiny yeah. In this huge world, and they, they, it's like even when they're in the boat going to, mm. under the old mill, and the old mill is collapsing, that's still, like because they're so itty bitty that even like bits of rubble falling from above are enough to kill them. That that was something else that I really did like, and it's not something we've talked about much this month is the world building. Yeah, in this because it is supposed to be like you said, it's, it's teeny tiny little creatures. Yeah, but not they don't hammer it home too hard. But a couple of times throughout the film, they do remind you. This mouse is only trying to move from, you know, kind of one side of the garden to the other on this day. It's not even because you see the tractor broken down and you see the stone. Yeah. And you know that the tractor's broken down or the plow's broken down right next to her house. Mm. And, and like, just how far they have to move it. But they're so tiny. But at the end, when they give you the zoom out and you see the thresher, which was the start of the film, yeah. which you might see Mr. Ages, the house and then where the tractor broke down, which is the old house and where the new house is and you get the full shot. And this whole big epic journey that you've been following them on has really only taken place in about maybe an acre. Yeah, of it, land. it's 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 larger than Honey I Shrunk the Kids because that's just in the back garden. Yeah, but as I say, they don't hammer it home. But a couple of times they remind you throughout the film, and I just I really really like the way they've done that. And like you were saying, she's got a thimble as a bathtub, and it's they use like acorn like acorns and things like that. They've used yeah, things. and she's living in a cinder block. Yeah. And they, like, Mr. A just lives in the old thresher and they all have these various things. Well, they do. Yeah. Because when it's moving day, they seem to be the only animals that have to do any moving. All the rabbits and other... The partridges are just gone. <laughs> yeah, all the birds just fly away. The rabbits just leg it. Ain't nobody else trying to, like, move. Yeah, the shrews or whatever. <laughs> Their I belongings. think it's a shrew or a gerbil. I'm not... Because it, it was it's supposed to be, like, North American. Some other rodent. Small animals. I'm not 100% what's what because something sticks its head with a pile of bones. I missed that. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know what you are either, because I think American badgers live in trees. Um, but well, nobody else seems to have a house house. Even Auntie Shrew with her lovely woolly, super long scarf that always looked really cozy. Well, and I always wanted a scarf like that when I was little, because it, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks super cozy. Like you wrap it around yourself four times. But yeah, I really, really, really like the way they built the world of this film of having the tiny and the big work together. Yeah, that's that's, really that's why well I really like together. the kitchen scene because you do guess and she's because when they're keeping her in this little bird cage mm. and she's hanging up high, yeah, and the world and she's looking down and everything is just miles away from her. Yeah. Uh, also, um, that tiny little crack in the floor she gets in and out through. Well, that's the whole thing. The rats can't fit through. Yeah, they can only get their head through. That's why they need a mouse to do it. Yeah. Oh, do you know what else I did really appreciate about this? What? The lack of songs. Yes. (laughs) There's only one. There's only one. And boy, do they get their money's worth out of it. Well, in fairness, look who it was written by. Yeah, as we discovered at the end, we were watching it. When the credits roll and the song plays and there's vocals over it this time. And I was saying it sounded like a very nasal Gene Wilder. Yeah. And then we looked him up, and his name is Paul Williams. Yes. And he has done... Everything! Fucking everything. 
singing, dancing, acting, you name it. Songwriting. He wrote he wrote for a, a lot for the Carpenters. He like has written like smash hit after smash hit. And he wrote the the lullaby, the words for this, and it's just it's it's beautiful, beautiful yeah. song. Uh well wrote a song for this is a composer as well. Yeah. Um like does movie scores, is the voice of the penguin in Batman the Animated yeah. Series. Won a Grammy in twenty fourteen for best album because he appeared on Daft Punk's album yeah. that year. The dude just has credits out the wazoo. Yeah, no, um, the song, I like, the, I hadn't heard it in years, came back to me immediately. Yeah. And it is, it's one of those ones that gets in there and it'll rattle around your brain for a little bit, but you don't mind it because it's such a lovely little song. I still got Once Upon a December from last week, <laughs> unfortunately. That's okay, there were a songs stuck in my head before, <laughs> before this one. The... But yes, no, this one, not a musical. No, surprise, uh, yeah, it's it's one of three that isn't. It's this, Titan A.E. and... I think, it is it not just this and Titan A.E.? No, there's three of them. Oh, I forgot to mention Derek, Derek Jacoby voices in Nicodemus. Well, we didn't really mention anybody no. except for Dom DeLuise and Strangle Wank's dad. Oh, <laughs> um, but yes, Arthur Mallet was Mr. Aegis. Yeah. Derek uh, Jacobi uh, is Nicodemus. again has been in everything. Yeah. Liz Hartman was uh, Mrs. Brisby and Andy Shrew was Hermione Baddeley. Mm. And, oh, Paul and, Shenner and was Jenner. Who? Paul Shenner. Shenner. Oh, yeah, I'm probably did, pronouncing that he wrong. He did a damn good job. Oh, and while we're on the subject of, well, we're were on the subject of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Bruce Tim animated this. Yes. Well, was one of the animators on this. Yeah, he's there. I think Bruce, like, J. Tim or Bruce W. Tim? Bruce W. Tim. Yeah. Going through the credits going, I know that name. <laughs> How about things you didn't like? Things I don't like about this. I, the kids can be grading to a yeah. degree. I, I, they. They reminded me of the kids in uh, Disney's Robin Hood for some reason. They look like the bunnies. They really do. When oh, the bit when they're playing badminton and they all come out and there's the little kid. That's the turtle. Yeah. Oh, that's just yeah. really cute. Yeah, yeah they they, they, they can be a bit grating, but that's I think the age that they're at as well because you've got or the age we're at. <laughs> I think they've no, like, they've always been kind of grating though because it's small children being shits. Yeah, although I will say it just it's an animated thing, but. Such expressive little faces on oh. all on all the mice in particular. Yeah, Mr. Ages and Mrs. Brisby and the kids. Yeah, for not being caricatures of animals. Yeah, they really do give them a lot of expression. Not like that live action Lion King where they don't move at all. It's really weird. Never seen it, thankfully. No, for me, I think there's nothing really like specific that I didn't like. I didn't like that Lee of the Stone bit, but that was just because it was it was framed as if it was going to be some sort of like sage advice as opposed to like. No, the track, um, the plow can't get under to, there, so as move your to house building there. instructions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and other than that, it's just that I found, personally, there wasn't an awful lot for adults to get out of this film. No. But that's fine. It's not made for adults. No, it's You know not. what I mean? Other than that, there was nothing really that I disliked about it. It still holds up well. It's it's still a really good kids film. Like I say, the, the peril was one of the things that really stood out I for me. I have an issue with a um, presumably government body making a phone call that late at night. Oh, I have nitpicks. <laughs> Who the fuck? <laughs> Don't Yeah, get we're going to show up in the morning and just dig up your rosebush. I'm sorry I got you out of bed. Like, what government office is open past 5pm? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it never struck me until now that I was like, he's in his pyjamas and he's after getting made a bed to answer this phone call. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> no, I have said, yeah, there's just a couple of silly nitpicks. Also, uh, the first time Auntie Shrew opened her mouth, I was like, Mrs. Doubtfire? Because <laughs> she does kind of... Yeah, no, but she's still, she's the ballsiest one out of the lot of them. Oh, she fucking is. I'd like to see Auntie Shrew, like, and the Great Owl having a spot. Like, yeah. that's just my own, like, I would... Actually, I feel like Jeremy didn't have an awful lot to do well, Jeremy doesn't really do... He, he does things and he doesn't do things in this No, film. I think he was just kind of there as a quirky sidekick and they didn't really... I, he may have had more to do with it. Um, it depends. I've, I haven't... But, but I've it's never read, Louise, so... Yeah, I've never read the novel, so I'd be interested in saying... I'm, I'm waiting on my niece finishing it so I can borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be interested to see on how different the characters are, especially considering it's, you know, this came out in 1982. Yeah. And speaking of Tom one of the bits of trivia in here that I loved... Was he brought his granny? Oh, of course to... he did. She doesn't speak a word of English. Yeah, but that's it. She, oh. brought, she was eighty years old at the time. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. It was his mother. She she also doesn't didn't speak yeah, English. Brought in some of the recording sessions, and whenever he swore, he'd make a mistake and he'd start cursing. 
or if he was ad-libbing and it veered into profanity, Don, or sorry, Don Bluth would just stare uncomfortably towards his mother and then back at him being like, stop cursing in front of your mom. <laughs> and Delaware was like, A, she's deaf, B, she can't hear me, and C, she doesn't understand a word of English. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe her, her cooking is delicious because that's what a lot of his cookbook, Eat This and Eat This Too, and also Eat This. Or Now Eat This, I think is the third one. Eat This Now are all based on like her recipes and like his old family recipes and stuff mm. like that. So I believe um, she was an amazing cook. Yeah. Some people brought animals to the studio. Well, no. like one of the animators did have a pet rat, brought him in. Waldo. Yeah. And he had like little runs around the offices and stuff. He, he was free running because rats are incredibly clean. Yeah. Um, if you've never had one, they're amazing pets. They're easily toilet trained and stuff like that just because they're yeah, incredibly... Yeah, they just had them running around the studio. They're incredibly fastidious, so they'll always go back to their cage to go to the bathroom because that's their yeah. bathroom. So you can have them free running. They're fine. Julie Andrews wasn't impressed. No, she swore like <laughs> she a sailor, but it doesn't came take... Up, came over one day for a tour of the studios and freaked the fuck out when In, she saw the rat. Yeah, but it doesn't take much to make Julie Andrews swear like a sailor. Yeah. And one of the uh, people involved in production rescued an injured owl from the LA River. And after taking it to a vet, they kept it in a cage while it was recuperating. And it served as a model for the Great L. Yeah. And then they released it. Movie saved lives. Yep. Well, animation saved lives. Uh, oh, apparently after they released it, it landed on a roof about a mile away next to another owl. And then the two of them flew off together. Aww. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's why they ended the film with the little animation of the two birds flying away. Yeah. Oh, completely unrelated, but really cool. Yeah, Don Bluth has a thing about ending films with like one of them finding random love lady. Yeah. They've all got Peppy Le Pew girlfriends. Um, this one is a, 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 while she does kind of launch herself at him in much the same way as the lady bat yeah. did. I think she understands consent a bit more than the lady bat. No, the lady bat did not understand consent. I just, I love the fact that they've managed to tie her feathers up in such a way that it's that 80s side ponytail, that really bouncy, like, yeah, it just... No, I know what you're saying, but like, at least they didn't give her tits. No. Because if that was a modern movie, they'd just be like, give that crow some tits. That's how it's a girl. The only thing you can't really tell until they open their mouths in this. The girl crow doesn't say anything. She just laughs in a girly, laughy voice. But yeah, it's it's full of the usual Don Bluth trademarks as well. You've got an object of importance. Yeah. Which is the the fucking palantir. Because no, when she touches that amulet at the end and uses it to raise the stone, she fucking pippins it and like burns her hands on it. Well, um, he says it, it's like a, it's all to do with like when he's gifting it to her and yeah. talking about sacrifice and shit like that. You've got your emigrating protagonist. You've got your semi-orphans. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody on the go everywhere. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the title sequence, this one's just for us. The title sequence is apparently inspired by Howard Hawke's production of The Thing from Outer Space. Yeah. Yeah. The, when it burns the thing in. The from another as, world. As it burns in. Yeah. Um, with Secret of Nim. Yeah. Which is one of my favourite films. Yeah. Those are some of my favourite bits of trivia. Yeah. Rats, owls, cursing at Italian grandmothers and uh, The Thing from Another World. <laughs> Anything else before we wrap up on The Secret of Nim? Not really. Anything that I... Like, obviously, this to me will always be fantastic. And visually, it's still stunningly beautiful oh yeah no it's definitely the prettiest the ones is, we've watched so far it is quite dark because a lot of it takes place either at night or underground so but like all dogs go to heaven not too dark to see no and then when you get these kind of shimmer glitter effects it just elevates it all yeah what would be quite dark and oppressive suddenly becomes precious and sparkly <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's got wicked good sparkle. Oh, Mrs. B, you gotta give me the sparkly. I oh, need the sparkly. sparkly. Oh, ladies love the sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> and poor, yeah, poor Jeremy just wants to know how to get along with women. Yeah, that's all. And and he asks a lady who was married because he's like, you, you know. <laughs> and she gives him really good advice. Except at the end when he actually has a lady friend and he's like, what do I do when he can't get the shiny? She yeah. tells him, be athletic. <laughs> just the fuck does that mean I don't know um, <laughs> I think it's just something to make him go away yeah she does spend an awful lot of the film just being like Jeremy just go just, away just kindly fuck off yeah you? why are you wearing a pair of underwear I'm in disguise not necessary you're a fucking crow yeah <laughs> well I suppose yeah without without Jeremy even though he's not got much to do without Jeremy there would be very little levity in the film yeah he um, is he is the, the kind of relief provide, which is it is the kids provide necessary. a little bit Auntie Shrew provides a little bit as well, mm. but yeah, Jeremy provides... It'd be provides, very somber yeah. without it. 
Um, you need the little breaks, especially like when the, the kids find Jeremy. Mm. And that's when you oh, it's a turkey. And yeah. he's like, I'm not a turkey. I'm pretty sure she wants to eat him as well. Yeah. It's not that she's mistaking him for a turkey. No, she's she like, wants mm, turkey to eat and him. turkey is food. Yeah, because then, like, then she's like, Mice oh. don't eat turkey. But when she's like, oh, look, two turkeys. And she's like licking her lips and yeah. it's like, yeah, that's why I think she wants her. to eat them. Well, mice are omnivores. They are, but I don't think they eat turkey. No, she might be just going through that biting phase. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think that about wraps it up for The Secret of Nim. Yeah. Definitely did enjoy it. Like I said, maybe didn't get as much out of it as I did some of the other films. Because I didn't have the nostalgia factor Mm. for me. And there's not as much in there for adults. No. But like I said last week, if you're looking for something kind of new for kids to watch, that's not the same old Disney stuff. Yeah, this one's a little bit heavy, but it's a really good film. Yeah. It's a really exceptionally good film. But even, even good for how film. heavy it is, there's a lot of that stuff that you don't necessarily... There's enough there that you understand that this is serious as a kid. Mm. But there are some discussions that will just go over kids' heads. Yeah. I, until they get maybe a little bit older. Uh, like, yeah, maybe some of there's, the council stuff. Like but some of the, the, the scheming going on in the background with... Um, Jenner and the council. Yeah. Yeah, but there's enough that... the. Uh, the Mrs. Brisby side of things is very simple. Yeah, her story, her storyline is really easy to follow. There's some like B plots going on mm. that if it doesn't pick up on, it doesn't matter. But no, I would, I would recommend this film for kids. Yeah, maybe not for adults, <laughs> no. but for kids, it's definitely a really, really good kids film. And I kind of wish I had seen it as a kid because I would probably be like you, and yeah. I would have a lot of nostalgic love for it had I seen it when I was little. Because I did. I really, really enjoyed This is my... A lot of people who are like our age, The Land Before Time is their version of this. Yeah, I'd, I'd have similar ones. Like, But I saw this... I somehow American I had saw this first. This was the one that, that got me first. Like, I've seen Land Before Time. I've seen American Tale. I've seen all of them. But this was the one that always stuck with me. Five Goes West rather than American Tale would probably be yeah. my version of this film for you. Yeah. I, I, I did kind of get that nostalgia with All Dogs Go to Heaven with Anastasia. There's a bit more of kind of not stuff for adults, but there's an older storyline coming. Yeah, so yeah, I I do feel like maybe I missed out a little bit with this one. Yeah. So sorry, I didn't love it. No, it's okay. (laughs) But it's probably the best you could hope from me. Yeah. No, it is like I had said that to you. It is. It is very much a kids' film Mm. straight through. Like it's not even like the way the Wallace and Gromit films have like some adult (laughs) content thrown in. No, it's not even adult jokes, but just like stuff that. Adults can enjoy. Yeah, kind of no, thing. there's unless like unless you just lose yourself in the visuals of it. Mm. Well, look, as I said, I did enjoy it. Yeah, but that just leaves us with one more, and then we're for the John Booth birthday month, and then we're and back, back to, then back, to scheduled. Shit, back to shit like the human centipede. And stuff like that. <laughs> I kept saying, I told you we should have done it for Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so our last one will be an American Tale if yes. we can find it somewhere. Um, we'll find Anywhere. it somewhere. But in the meantime, if you would like, you can head back and listen to our two previous Don Bluth episodes or any of our other random fucking schlocky episodes. <laughs> or you can head on over to Madarance the Boys and check out our boys podcast where we cover everything to do with Amazon's TV show. And you can come and find us on Twitter at Rance Mono or you can find us on Instagram at Monorance underscore the underscore boys. Or you can send your own rants to monorancepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Mono Rats. We are One Accord Level 2 Podcast. This is Jesse from Sudden But Inevitable and Open Pike Night. This is Sci-Fi.